Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, Grassman, Sasquatch. Just a few of the names given to the primate-like creature said to roam the woods and remote areas of North America. Tales of this elusive being go back for hundreds of years. Is it mere myth and legend? Or is there truly something more tangible to this phenomenon? Join us on this journey as we discuss the science behind the encounters, the research and the evidence, keeping you updated on the latest findings, ideas and hypothesis. Arrogance gets us nowhere and closing one's eyes doesn't make things disappear nor less real. Today's myth could be tomorrow's reality. It's time to make this subject matter less taboo. Welcome to Monster X Radio. Bigfoot without the BS. Welcome everyone. Glad you could join us this evening. Tonight I'm talking with Sasquatch investigator Chris Spencer, a regular contributor to Monster X Radio. We will be discussing and talking about what he's been up to, and as well as some of the interesting things he has to share. Welcome to the show, Chris Spencer. Hey, Shane. How's it going? Going good, man. I know you've been uh, fairly busy, but I know you've been up to some interesting things. I know that you've talked with and met a few individuals of interest that uh, you didn't expect to, per se, meet. Let's, uh, let's, let's get into this tonight, man. So what have you been up to lately? Who you been talking with, and uh, what did they have to share? Well, one of the first things I want to talk about is uh, at work this week, uh, a guy I work with who absolutely is not into Bigfoot, and he knows what I do. He, he knows where I go and this and that, and he actually lives up close to the area that I do my observations in, and he's an avid deer hunter, and he just kind of, out of the blue, Tuesday morning, I heard something. And he's out there hunting. It's modern deer season right now. I, uh, I'm i not hunting this year, but he just looked at me. He goes, yeah, I heard something. I don't know what it was. And then he dropped the subject. And he didn't want to talk about it anymore. And I'm like, okay. This individual is an avid deer hunter. He gets his, He fills his tag every year. He is very knowledgeable about the woods. And I've known him for about 15 years now. And the fact that he said that made me kind of pause. And I basically needed him the rest of the day till I got to the whole, the whole story. But in an area that I've, I've recorded in, he basically heard something when he was walking out at dusk after hunting. And it was a walk behind a gate, a walk-in area that I mean you no there's not going to be anybody where he's at and on his way out he heard a vocalization that scared him and like I said before this is a guy that has spent a lot of time in the woods and he knows when he hears something that's different yeah he's not easily scared right and so he heard the first vocalization and he, he said it, I don't know the distance cause it was, re- he said it was really loud 
and it was really close and it scared him, but he didn't know what it was. And he, he kind of stood there for a little bit and then he continued on. Well, it took about 15, 20 minutes for him to get back to the gate where his truck is parked. And just as he got to the gate, the vocalization happens again. And it's just as close and just as loud. So whatever this was, it followed him. And that's when he really got freaked out. Mind you, he didn't, he kind of, he didn't want to tell me the story. But by the end of the day, he told me the whole story. And what he described to me is a vocalization that I've recorded. You have a name for that, don't you? Yeah, I call it the wobbler. And I've heard it myself in person in the same area within about two miles. Basically, I was recording, well, I do record about three to four miles away from where he he was when this happened. And this vocal I heard in person in 2016. And it's weird. It's just weird. It's not, it's not a whoop. It's almost bird-like, but it's, I can't, I've, I've really looked on Macaulay Library Sound. I've sent it to David Ellis and even David agreed. He's like, I don't know about this. He, he kind of has a vocal that's similar and he called it the warbler. And that's what I call it now is the warbler. And I recorded that four times in uh 2016 and then what chip described to me (laughs) at work was the same vocal the same same freaking vocal so chris real quick what makes this this particular vocal stand out i'm familiar with the the warbler i'm familiar with it uh not that i've recorded myself but what makes this vocal this particular vocal stand out to you first off it it'll be just one and it's not repetitive. I mean, it doesn't do the bird thing. It it just one vocal. It's like a three-step vocal. Like David said, there's three chords to this vocal. It's not like a bird or an animal, but there's three chords. It, it starts at one level and jumps to another level really quickly. It's, it's a complex vocal is what it is. Human-like, but it sounds like a bird. And it's hard to hear, but you can see it. And that's what David, you know, pointed out to me in 2016 when I first recorded it. Because I didn't know what it was. And I couldn't even think of a bird to match it to. And he's looked at the same kind of vocalization. So what Chip described to me was basically that. It was, he goes, it wasn't a whoop. It was kind of like a whoop, but it was like, oh, whoop, whoop, It's crazy. Right, right. And so with Chip, though, I mean, he moved from point A to point B, and he still heard it like it was following him, as you stated. It, it did was, follow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. And that's the other thing. When, when I record, everything suspect I record, it only happens once. There's, it, it, they don't repeat themselves. They don't, they're not repetitive like birds. So, well, wait, and, wait, 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 Chris. When you say they. Let's be clear for the audience, because I agree with you. Let's be clear with the audience. I don't think Sasquatch is very repetitive. They were so repetitive, they give up their position and all that. I, I do believe that they're, you know, when they, they give out a vocal, it's not repetitive, you know, or consistent. And so 
you know, like a bird or coyote and whatnot. So that's, that's what you're talking about is. Yeah. 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 No, like our, 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 to me, our target subjects, they, they make a vocalization when they need to, and that's it. They don't need to repeat it. That's it. And so that's, that's what's kind of cool about Chip's experience is he heard this vocalization and that was it. Just one. And then 20 minutes later, when he gets close to his rig right at dark, hears it again and it's the same distance. And it it basically followed him out is what it did. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I mean, because that, that sound is... <laughs> Whatever uh, it was. Yeah, I, I know the sound pretty well and it's a unique sound. We'll have to, uh, actually, thinking about this, we'll have to do a show where we can play some of these sounds so people are familiar with the warbler sound that we're referring to. But that area that Chip was in, that he was hunting in, you're very familiar with that area. And it's got a history of audio recordings and, you know, Sasquatch activity. Am I wrong? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, some of, my, some of my better interesting suspect sounds come from exactly where Chip is. And uh, we've talked about it before as – we get to this time of year things move down from where i normally record during the spring and fall into this area so yeah and what's funny is uh or not necessarily funny is that you've been tracking certain elk certain coyotes we've talked about this on the show before but they move from elevation to elevation higher to lower lower to higher and you recorded the same animals over a span of years and so you've been recording the same individuals in these areas and that warbler sound is unique unique because it's not recorded all the time it's recorded periodically and it has the same signature when you're looking at it visually on sonic visualizer yeah what's what's really interesting is i've only recorded it in this area where chip heard it I've only recorded it there. I've never recorded it up in um, X1, my main area. This this area I call T1. But it's only occurred in this area, which is it's 13 miles as the crow flies. But if you were to drive from this area to X1, it would take you about 40 minutes. There's a mountain range in between. Um, it's at a lower elevation. and it's a testament to kind of what we're dealing with and how things can move around. I have no doubt that the individuals that I'm recording up in X1 are probably the same individuals I'm recording down in this area. If they, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. 13 miles to me is nothing. It's going to be the same individuals most likely that are, transpersing in these areas they're going up over a mountain and down a mountain to get there <laughs> yeah tra tra yeah transitory transitory so they're, <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean they're just you know utilizing their natural resources the weather and everything else moving from point a to point b what's really cool about this with your buddy chip your co-worker you know uh, this is a guy that's not into bigfoot yeah exactly he's been in this area for many years i would assume and yep. He experienced something, an odd, you know, vocal. Uh, they couldn't explain. He's not. He doesn't even claim it's Sasquatch. He just thought it was weird. 
I was actually kind of jumping for joy when he <laughs> he told me this because <laughs> Chip Chip's a skeptic, a huge skeptic, and uh, the fact that he opened up to me about this was that is pretty profound. Yeah, and he was reluctant though. Yeah, he didn't. I I had to I had to get the details out of him, but it was like first thing in the morning. It's freezing. It's, I don't know. It's been like 27 degrees here in the morning and we're all loading up to go to the job in our little buggy. And Chip just goes, I heard something. <laughs> and then I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, what'd you hear? He didn't want to talk about it more. I had to pull it out of him. It took me about six hours to pull the whole story out of him. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty typical. I mean, even with people that have had sightings, let alone some odd you know, uh, vocal herd or some audio experience, that's pretty typical. And for many people, it takes, when it comes to a sighting, takes, you know, <laughs> sometimes yeah. their whole lifetime to share it. So, yeah, maybe uh, Chip will think twice about going out there. I don't know. He is. He's, he's mad at me right now. <laughs> so He's like, now I have to think about this. I don't want to know anything. That's what he said. <laughs> you know what? Uh, tell him to strap a recorder to that guy's head. Exactly. I and yeah. that's what I told. That's what I told him. I'm like, I'm going to strap a recorder to your head from now on, Chip. And he's like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Let's get past the point of just uh, you telling me about what you heard. Let's actually hear what you heard. I, I you know, what's interesting though. I think uh, what was cool about this is Chip has friends that have had experiences up in my other area of interest up towards X1. Chip has hunting partners that have had experiences that he's like, they don't know about. And they, he's always been really cryptic. That's what drives me nuts. Chip is always telling me, well, my buddies were up in so-and-so area, which is really close to where I record. And they heard this or they saw this or that. I'm like, okay, give me details. He's like, no. And then he has an experience himself. That's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the area I'm dealing with. We're talking about people who have grown up here, hunted and fished all their lives. They don't want Sasquatch to be real. They don't want to deal with it. And that's how Chip is. They're like, Chip's all about, I don't want to know about this stuff, Spence. I don't want to know about this stuff. I just want to go out and hunt and fish i don't want to know about this stuff yeah chris you really brought up a good point right now is that a lot of these people that experience the really cool stuff the sightings the vocals the the really cool experiences a lot of these individuals for the most part live in these areas and for the most part their whole lives have never experienced anything maybe they've heard something weird seen something semi-weird but when they're when Sasquatch is thrown in their face and they know they've been out there their whole lives hunting or fishing for this time and time again, it changes their paradigm. And then they, there's a realization there that they've been out there hunting, fishing, camping, and Sasquatch has been out there. They don't want to recognize that, let alone talk about it. Because exactly. then they, and then they have to share it or recognize the fact that it was out there. And that's yep. a fact. Yeah. No, that's, and that, and that was the, I guess the, the thing I wanted to get across to the audience is when Chip told me what he told me, 
that was a big deal for him to tell me that. That was a huge deal. And I've known the guy for a while and, you know, 15 years. And he's told me stuff that's happened between his friends, but not everything. He's always cryptic about it. But then he just had an experience himself. And I've been giving him, I'll be honest, since Tuesday, that's when he told me. I've been giving him so much crap. <laughs> you need to talk to me more, Chip. <laughs> he doesn't want to because if he talks to you, then he has to remember what he experienced. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to hunt. He wants to fish or whatever he does. Hunting, obviously. That's, all, that's what he wants to do. He wants to go out hunting. Probably, and he was solo, right? So Yep, he one, was solo. That was the thing. He was that, solo Whatever made the vocalization, dude, followed him. It followed well, him. Here's the thing, too, with that is a lot of hunters, including myself, and including a lot of the people that I know well, love to hunt solo. When you know you're not the, uh, you know, you know there's cougars out there, you know, specifically talking about the Pacific Northwest. You know there's cougars out there. You know there's bears. But when you realize that there is something bigger, faster, smart, smarter in the woods than you, and yep. that you're not alone, all of a sudden, you're not so bad ass in the woods, and you're like, holy smokes, I've been out here for, you know, hunting for whatever amount of years, or camping, or fishing, and this thing's been out there? You have to realize that and go, oh, that changes everything. Ab absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's funny because even for me, up until my experience in 2013, dude, I'd, I'd go out and hunt and camp by myself all the time. Never was afraid at all. And after my experience in 2013, it's like it took me two years to get back in a tent, period. So when you're, you've spent your whole life, I'm 47 right now. You spent the last 30 years of your life hunting and fishing with your family and friends. And then you have an experience like this. Some guys go to the, the direction where they just ignore it. Right. Um, and some guys just don't recover from it. And just They quit hunting and they quit fishing. Yeah, absolutely. I've talked to so many people on this show. I've talked to so many individuals uh, outside the show that have taken that route. And there's a couple of routes you can take, like you stated. You either stop doing what you're doing, you keep doing what you're doing, but you're cautious, or you keep doing what you're doing and you take a partner or something like that. You know, I mean, yep. it's, there's, there's a lot of options there, but it really, that's why a lot of people don't talk about it because they're like, you know, I must be crazy. I must be crazy. You know, I've been out here all these years and just, this just transpired. What? It, no, it's, it's funny. It's, yeah, it is. Well, it's funny for me with Chip because I've known Chip for so long. And then, and he's always, you know, he's never been opposed to what I'm doing. He's never been opposed to the idea, but he just had his, his own experience and he's mad about it. Honestly, he's mad. He, he's, he's like, I don't, I didn't want this. I don't like this at all. And that's, uh, that's one of those things we didn't mention. That, that is another aspect of this. You know, some people get scared. Some people get mad. Certain people get quiet. 
certain people share. It's a, a multifaceted sort of, you know, experience when it comes to your personal experience. When you're out there in the woods and you realize that you're not the only one or only thing out there, especially something unknown. So anyways, Chris, yep. let's, uh, I want to kind of change subjects here because you've been up to a lot of stuff lately, some really cool stuff, and you've been collaborating with some unique individuals. I, I consider them unique because they're unknown to me or this individual, I should say, excuse me. This individual has been researching, you know, Sasquatch in the general vicinity that you've been researching for a number of years, but nobody knows his name. Until he comes on the show with you, which he yeah. will do. Yes. I, I want him on the show because I just learned about this individual and I'm really enamored with him because of what he's been doing. Uh, and he's not like a, a Facebook guy. He's not a TV guy. He's just a guy out there that has been documenting and researching the Sasquatch subject. He's got a lot of tools in his pocket. He's a guy that's huge got a lot arsenal of tools. Yeah, huge <laughs> arsenal of tools. There are legitimate people out there doing really good stuff that none of us hear about because they're doing it for themselves. They're doing it for science and they really don't care about anybody else so but this is a guy that that's been under the radar that's been researching the subject matter for many years you managed to hook up with and you have so much in common yeah he he moved to the area that i research uh about three years ago he has a uh, Humvee with an R2-D2 type unit on top of it. So we're talking about a flare system. It's not the top of the line, but it's pretty freaking top of the line. And uh, the way his Humvee is set up, the passenger seat, you have a little joystick and you have a monitor. I think it's a 15-inch monitor where you can move that thermal unit around and view things in the meantime joe has uh the same exact helmet that helicopter pilots fly with night vision wise gen 3 and let me tell you something when you put that helmet on it's daylight out i have never ever ever encountered this before and it's daylight and so basically we're we're driving in this Humvee in areas uh, that I have a huge interest in. They're really close to my recording areas and we're driving blacked out. He's wearing his night vision goggles and uh, I'm in the co-pilot chair with the flare. And it's interesting. The whole aspect of it is that we are completely blacked out and we're driving these logging roads and animals they can hear us but they can't see us and we see a lot of animals a lot of ungulates a lot of mice i've gone out with them twice and it's astounding how many animals we see and they just stop and they they don't even, they can hear us but they can't see us so they just stand there so his approach chris his approach is actually kind of cool right because this guy that owns this certain 
type of equipment, knows how to use it, knows how to use it well, but he's got an approach where he's showing you something like, you know, if you go black out with this night vision stuff, you go black out in your vehicle, you can capture a lot of wildlife. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's hands down, the white light keys all the animals in on what's happening and they disappear. But if you're driving down the road, they might hear you, but they they can't see it. No, no light at all. Or they don't and care. They they don't. They don't. I mean, seriously, I so many deer and so many elk. I've flared with his unit, and then he's he's driving with his night vision goggles on, and it's astounding. What's interesting? It sounds messed up, but what was really cool is literally hundreds of mice running across the road and they would hear us coming and they'd run towards the freaking vehicle whereas as soon as you put headlights on you don't see anything nothing at all nothing and you might on flare you might pick up a couple mice or uh weasels or whatever bounce off the road at the edge of the headlights but when the headlights are off, all those little animals are rodents are all over the road. You would be amazed, Shane, at how many animals are on a freaking logging road, small rodents without lights. Um, I get the white light stuff. I mean, you know, it's not something, especially at night, that's natural. It's, white light's not natural at night. So when you're shining spotlights out there, you know, the whole deer in the headlights sort of thing. I get it. I get it. But when you go in lights out and you have infrared, the noise per se of a vehicle or foot traffic won't scare anything away. Nope. Things will be alert, but I won't scare them away. That's actually really interesting. The, the other thing that we did also, cause the flare unit on top of his rig has an IR flash. And the, I have, when you're sitting in the passenger seat, I could hit the IR flash. So we've been, I've gone out twice with him and both times we experimented with the IR flash because a lot of people talk about how the animals see the IR. Uh, I'm pretty much on the fence that the animals do not see the IR period. They see your camera. They might see that red light off your camera, but actually seeing the IR light, no, they don't. At least ungulates don't. Because we probably viewed over 60 ungulates in two times out. And in every case, when you flashed them with the IR spotlight. Now, the IR is infrared. And Joe can see it with his goggles. He doesn't like to drive drive with the infrared on because it's too bright. It brightens things too much. Right. But when we. When we see an animal on flare, Joe will be like, okay, hit it with the IR. I'll hit it with that IR spotlight. And we're looking for the animal to react to it. And, and they don't. They don't see it. They do not react to it at all. Chris, that's, Chris that sounds cool. Period. Like, yeah, that sounds like quite the experiment because, you know, have, you always have this argument, whether it's, known animals or sasquatch that they see the ir 
And you're saying you don't believe so. No, absolutely not. The two times I've been out with Joe, and like I said, over 60 head of, of ungulates. We're talking mostly deer and elk. And every animal we saw, we would flash with that IR spotlight. And they would not react whatsoever. They, they, they didn't see it. It, didn't, it made no difference. They didn't react at all. Now, now, the question that would arise is, you know, uh, you would have to compare, I guess, an IR game camera, and there's a ton of models, right, compared to what Joe has, and then make that experiment. Well, so that, it, that's the other thing. When, when we're in Joe's rig, you know, uh, Joe's running on night vision. Passenger, which is where I'm sitting, or his best friend, Jim, Jim Snodgrass, who's from uh, New Jersey, comes out every couple of months to go with Joe. And they, he's helped Joe set this system up. Anyways, whoever's in the co-pilot seat is going by thermal. And so there, a lot of people won't, don't understand, like, night vision isn't like thermal. So Joe doesn't see the animals like I do. He's, it's just like daylight. I mean, you could be driving down a road in daylight and not see animals. But the flare is actually picking up the heat signatures. So when we see a heat signature, it's like, okay, slow down, stop. Yeah, stop right here. And then we continue to flare. And then Joe will look with his night vision. And he, a lot of times he can't see it, even in the night vision, because it's not flare. It's not picking up body heat. Right. And he's working on he's making some changes to this rig which is going to be really cool, but the amount of animals that we see is just astounding. Here we have an investigator, a Sasquatch enthusiast, a researcher, whatever you want to call this guy. I'm not sure what he wants to be called. You got a guy that's been how long's he Joe been out in the field? How long's he been doing this? Oh, he's been doing it a while. He's experienced, and he knows, well, not mutual friends, but he knows friends of yours that are in the business, and he's worked with some high-quality people. Yeah, so he's been at this, like, say, I mean, for a lengthy period of time, and he has no interest being on Facebook. He has no interest on joining a TV show or anything else. He's in it because he has a passion based on, I assume, I assume his past experiences or something yep. that, yeah. And I don't know all the details there. I hope to have Joe on the show at some point to share this stuff, but. Oh, you will. You will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But once again, as we talked about before the show, before we joined, jumped on the show, Chris, that this guy has limited Wi-Fi capability. <laughs> so it may, may maybe, no, that's important. It may make it difficult. But he's out there conducting research investigations. This is legitimate research. This is what it this is what it needs needs to happen. And thankfully, he has the money to do this right now. And what he's doing is just this guy has got the equipment and this is what has to happen. This is what would happen if science was involved. So Joe, I mean, Joe's got the time. And you fortunately now, Chris, have met this guy and meshed and collaborated. And you guys seem to get along really well. 
it seems like this guy's on the same page as yourself. And, oh, and with the funny thing too is you guys are working the same areas. Yep. It's well, it's worked out really well because he's really into thermal imaging and I'm into the audio aspect. So actually, you know, we went out and put a long-term unit um, in an area that there is a report last year and that I wanted to get a long-term unit out. So I was able to do that with him and he wants to know more about audio. I want to know more about flare. My quote unquote expertise come together with his and we're going to work together now. It's a match made in heaven. As far yep. as I can see it. He He's in it to win it. He's actually, he's had a visual. I haven't. And so that's the difference between like me, you, and everyone else. I have not had a visual. Joe's had a visual. So he's pretty pretty intense about the subject and he's very, very uh scientific and about doing everything the right way. So I that's what I love. I, I like being able to work with a person that is gonna adhere to science and not go off on tangents in other directions. That's how the subject moves forward, my friend. Thank you, Chris, for uh, joining me on Monstrix Radio. We're going to wrap this up. We'll have you back on soon, man. Oh, absolutely, Shane. Thank you. Thank you for joining Monster X Radio.